Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. Had a great conversation with the Speaker of the House yesterday. Had uh, had the opportunity to visit with Philip Gunn for an entire hour. We, we covered a wide range of of topics from this past legislative session. What does the speaker do during the off time in between legislative sessions? The answer is they're very busy. But we also talked about media. We had an interesting conversation about media in, in Mississippi. So if you missed that conversation, you can go to the Supertalk Gulf Coast or the Supertalk Mississippi Facebook pages. You can go to the Supertalk Mississippi YouTube page. You can uh, go to your favorite podcast. But you can, I would really encourage you to, to listen to it. You, every time you have the opportunity to sit down with uh, with a state leader like Philip for an entire hour, it, um, it it's, you get a lot of insights. And, and, and yesterday's conversation was really no different than that. Hey, you may have been paying attention that uh, there is a very important development that is happening within the medical community here in coastal Mississippi. I would say it just in, involves Jackson County, but in the case of Singing River Health Systems, it actually goes outside of Jackson County. And um, I had the opportunity to visit with CEO Tiffany Murdoch recently, and we talked about this effort underway now um, to seek strategic alternatives. Now, essentially what that means is to either sell the hospital system or potentially find a partnership. Um, so it's a it's a very, very interesting uh, development. It's one that I support as a former CEO. I understand the, the, the situation as it relates to uh, healthcare systems today. And scale is everything. We'll talk more about that here shortly. But I, I was really excited to see that my next guest, Dr. Michael Finan, is I, did I pronounce your name right, Finan? Yes. Okay. He's a, he's a doctor, and I'll tell you specifically about what kind of doctor he is in a second. But we're going to talk specifically about his work and his incredible specialty. And then while we're together, I might want to chat with him a little bit about this move towards seeking strategic alternatives. But without any further ado, let me welcome Dr. Michael Finnan to Coast View. How are you doing, my friend? Doing great. Thank you. Well, so, okay, gynecologic oncologist. So give me a, it's a very unique specialty and uh, right. you are in a very unique situation with a lot of experience and we're going to get into that in just a second, but tell people what it is you do. Well, it's a subspecialty, gynecologic oncology is a subspecialty of OBGYN. So we do four years of medical school, four years of residency in obstetrics and gynecology, and then a three-year fellowship beyond that. And our life is really dedicated to taking care of women with cancer, women with cancer of the ovaries, the uterus, the cervix, et cetera. Wow. That's a, and, and look, I mentioned to you during the break, I had the opportunity to to be publisher of the press register in, in uh, Mobile. And that actually introduced me to the University of South Alabama's medical center, and in particular, the Mitchell Cancer Institute. Uh, you spent time there. Uh, that was a significant moment in your career, wasn't it? Yes. I, I was at Auctioner for 13 years and was very happy there. And I got a call in 2004 from an old friend of mine trying to recruit me to Mobile. And funny that the 
the one place I always swore I would never live was Alabama. <laughs> and uh, so she enticed me to Mobile. And I, my wife and I actually moved to Mobile two months before Katrina. So we were very blessed to be out of New Orleans. Wow, that's that that's that's incredible. So okay, so the the, the Cancer Institute's a, a significant entity. What I remember about um, my time touring it and getting to know it better uh, was that there were a lot of really really important trials that were happening there. Very very significant work that was happening there. That had to have been after being an auctioner for 13 years and then going to, to 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 do the work there and participate in some of some really cutting edge uh advancements that had to have been a great step in your career and then oh, yeah. the fact that singer river was able to land you is even more amazing we're going to get there in just a second but that was a that was a significant developmental opportunity wasn't it absolutely and that's one thing that drew me to to move uh as i said i was very happy in new orleans that's where i was born and raised we were raising our twins there, and um, this opportunity arose. The Mitchell Cancer Institute wasn't even built yet. It was just drawings on paper. So it was it was an opportunity to build something, to help build something from scratch with great people. I was the only gynecologic oncologist in Mobile when I moved there. And uh, by the time I retired, when I turned 60, 15 years later, we had a group of five gynecologic oncologists and a incredibly successful cancer academic cancer institute with basic research clinical research and world-class care yep so that what the, have you always had uh, it's interesting to me that you have your co-inventor of uh, six patents you're involved in and other really important technologies involving screening did you always have sort of this this research part of you that you wanted to do in addition to your clinical work I would say, you know, I've, I've been involved in clinical research my entire career, but no, that was uh, a blind squirrel stumbling across a nut. I have to say, <laughs> that's the truth. But I mean, it's impressive. It's yeah, impressive. We, we uh, me and a couple of buddies were talking after a tumor conference about how difficult, it, we actually were talking about how we needed a screening test for endometrial cancer, cancer of the uterus, which actually, it's kind of like cancer of the colon was back in the 60s. Women present with bleeding. There is no screening test. So we really stumbled upon this idea just in a conversation in the hallway. Myself, one of my partners, who's a gynecologic oncologist at the time and a basic scientist who did proteomics. And we quickly uh, realized that the fallopian tubes carry uh, eggs down into the uterus through this proteinaceous material and one thing led to another and we we f started to focus really on screening for ovarian cancer and came up with some incredible results yeah i had uh, i had the opportunity just in the past week or so to have a conversation with a woman by the name of adrian elliott her husband owns elliott homes his name is brandon and she um through another surgery, they did a tissue test of her breast and discovered very, very early, uh, discovered breast cancer. And she was very aggressive, got a double mastectomy and has bit, gone on a bit of a mission to help others um, 
really understand that early detection is really important. And I was I would suggest probably in any cancer that's certainly the case. But 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 it is incredible how much advancement there has been in the last ten or fifteen years around early detection if women would just take advantage of the technologies that are available. Is that sort of where you are in the process as well? Absolutely. The the sad thing is we, we can really only screen for a handful of cancers. If you look at the dozens and dozens of cancers people can get, uh, we can screen for breast, colon, cervix, uh, and so forth. The, the latest one to develop is lung cancer screening with a low-dose CT scan. Um, and, and the screening for each of those cancers has gotten better and better and better over the years, as you pointed out. Um, for instance, with breast with the 3D mammography, it's extremely accurate. Um, and, and actually, we're now offering women screening for genetic uh, hereditary cancer conditions as well when they come in for their mammogram. But, but unfortunately, uh, out of that handful of cancers, uh, add to that prostate, um, skin, we really uh, we can't screen for kidney cancer, uh, liver cancer, gallbladder cancer, stomach, brain, the list goes on and on. And ovarian is one of the one of the ones that's particularly scary to women because it generally presents in advanced stages. It's uh, it's really very, very it's really not possible to screen for it at all with any success. But you've done a lot of work with uh, novel uh, ovarian cancer screening technology, haven't you? Right. Yeah. What we the idea we came upon was to the cervix. Um, as I mentioned, the, the egg moves from the ovary down the fallopian tube into the uterus in this thick mucus, and that mucus comes out the cervix very, very slowly. And when we do a pap smear for decades, we've been doing pap smears, and we take the sample and we send the sample to the pathologist and they spin it down and look at the cells and they throw away the fluid. So the fluid that it's transported in has that mucus in it. And for decades, we've been just throwing it as away as a bio waste. So we decided to look at the protein profile in that fluid. And that's what led to the filing of the six patents and the spinoff of a biotech company. And hopefully we'll turn that into a real test. It's not ready for prime time yet, but it's very encouraging, uh, the work that we've done thus far. When we come back, we're getting to the end of this segment. We'll continue our conversation with Dr. Michael Finan, who is a uh, gynecologic oncologist. Uh, he joined Singer River Health System in, in April of 2020. And uh, we're gonna, I want to talk more about uh, the advancements that Singing River Hospital has made over the years and what it takes to stay on the cutting edge in the healthcare industry these days. We'll, we'll continue the conversation on the other side. See you after this break. or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast U. I have the opportunity to visit this morning with Dr. Michael Finan, who is with Singing River Health System. He's he's not only the medical director for Singing River Cancer Center, but he's also Singing River's chief of women's health. And as we were discussing coming into this segment, uh, he spent time at Oshner. He spent time at the Mitchell Cancer Center over at USA and, and Mobile. He's had, uh, you know, he's he's done he's done his reps to uh, in the cancer world, and uh, I would say, you know, just in the short time that we've had the opportunity to visit with each other, he's uh, he's someone who we're lucky to have here in coastal Mississippi. That is for sure. You know, I, I've really been impressed with with uh, Singing River Health System. Um, like every institution, they were terribly challenged by COVID. I thought they they stood the test really well. It takes a great core team to keep something like that going during difficult times like like COVID. But you go back to the medical, excuse me, the financial problems that they were having a few years back, and the work that they did to sort of come back from that and build this this regional uh, medical center that's serving this region in ways that continues to get better. Um, you have to be when you when you when you appeared there for the first time. <clears throat> You had to have been thrilled to see the progress that this hospital has made over the, or the system has made over a number of years. Oh, yes. I was very impressed um, and somewhat unaware of the, of the progress they made because everyone heard about the pension issue about seven or eight years ago. That was well publicized. But the comeback uh, was not. And I think they came back in many, many ways, not only financially, but uh, but talent-wise, you know, we're fortunate to be um, right between New Orleans and Mobile, so we've got some great academic centers feeding us with graduates. But also, we're fortunate to be right next to Keesler Air Force Base, which has a small hospital, and some really, really talented uh, physicians come down there to, to spend time at Keesler to pay back their commitment to the Air Force for their scholarship. And they end up falling in love with the Gulf Coast, and many of them want to stay. So uh, that's also fed us with a lot of talent. And I've been very fortunate myself to have uh, the ability to work with these great folks. Yeah, you, there's so many of them. In fact, I've had Dr. Roth on the show before during COVID, and I was super impressed with the approach that he was taking. Mm -hmm. um, just, just seemed like a terrific leader, uh, great communicator, very passionate about his work. Um, but you know what's? I had a brother-in-law who had uh, who had heart surgery, open heart surgery at Ocean Springs, and to learn the the level of expertise and the physician that handled his case, unbelievable what you guys have done in the cardiac arena. I had another I had another friend who was in town from New Orleans, for a matter of fact, and had a had a uh, uh, esophageal or, or somewhere upper GI bleed that needed to be cauterized quickly. And he went into, uh, let's see, it was uh, the, the Gulfport, Farmer Garden Park, uh, to have that procedure done and was handled so extraordinarily well. I can give case after case after case where people had good experiences. Mm -hmm. I know COVID was a unique experience, and during that time, you know, people were triaged in ways probably weren't would not be normally triaged. But, um, but this medical system is really built into a very significant group group of dedicated uh, professionals that really are dedicated to to patient care, and you're now part of them. And what does that mean to you? Well, I'm excited to be here. You know, my um, the last 15 years of my career, as we talked about, I spent in Mobile uh, 
and the the people of South Mississippi are very similar. The Gulf Coast uh, culture is uh, sort of extends uh, from New Orleans eastward, and I've I've been very very happy. Patients are wonderful. The staff is extremely well trained and talented. The physicians are outstanding, and the amount the technology that the system has invested in, uh, from new robots to uh, you know robotic. Uh, pulmonary procedures with the Monarch. We're just about to install a brand new cutting edge linear accelerator to treat patients with radiation. It, the list goes on and on. The system has been very, very um, willing to invest not only in people, but also technology. It, as you've pointed out, it takes a lot of money to be on the cutting edge. And, and this is a unique ownership scenario. You have the county involved. It's a nonprofit. Um, but it's clear that scale in this day and time, scale is really important. When we talk about scale, we're talking about the ability to have enormous buying power, large, a large partner of some sort, or maybe even direct sale to someone who has the scale that could uh, that could help keep Singing River Health System on the same track that it's on now, with constantly improving and being innovative about the way the, the type of care that they provide. That's kind of the reality at the moment, though, isn't it, Doctor Finan? It, it unfortunately um, it is. It's the reality nationwide with healthcare. We're not the only ones in this situation. Um, when I was at South Alabama, they were looking for a partner. Mobile Infirmary was looking for a partner. Everybody's looking to scale up. And it's all about um, sustainability and capital. And I'll just give your listeners uh, an example of capital. A new linear accelerator is typically a two or $3 million investment. That's capital. We need it to treat patients with cancer. If you're part of a big system, you can, you know, we're, we're gonna buy one linear accelerator. It's a radiation machine. It basically treats patients with radiation. We're going to buy one, which might cost us several million bucks, but auctioner is buying 10. So if we can get in on that deal, they're only paying, uh, I'm just making these numbers up, but let's say $1.2 million per per machine. So you, you, you multiply that by everything you have to buy to take care of patients, and it just, it just helps to have a partner. One of my dreams is to build a new cancer center for Singing River somewhere in Ocean Springs that would be more centrally located, and uh, and uh, that's gonna that project is gonna cost us twenty to thirty million bucks. That's capital. You, yeah. you can't just come up with that out of thin air. You got to have the the cash to be able to invest in construction and equipment to serve the the people of the of the Gulf Coast. And we just we're just not gonna have it. So own. when I was in New Orleans, I had the opportunity to spend time with the CEO of Oshner, where where he told us about the strategic goals of Oshner being <clears throat> that they want to be seen in the cancer realm as as well as they are seen in the you know transplant realm. Um, and of course, I, we already talked about the time I spent in Mobile and the Mitchell, Mitchell Cancer Center there. Is I mean that's a viable dream, isn't it? To have I mean we deserve a cancer center like that, don't we? Oh yeah, no question. And Auctioner has um, gone to great lengths to do similar work, investing in people, technology, buildings. And if you if you put all that together, and and you add to it clinical research and uh, teaching, you you do have a world class program. But 
the truth is cancer care is local and it's always going to be local because if someone needs six weeks of radiation every day, they want to get it, they want to live in their own home. They don't want to drive two hours each way or go spend uh, six weeks in a hotel. So cancer care is always going to be local. Chemotherapy, my son had testicular cancer when he was uh, around 20 and he needed chemotherapy and the chemotherapy regimen was uh, one out of three weeks. It was every day, Monday through Friday. So I can't imagine having to take him to Houston or, or somewhere else to get chemo when we, you know, patients just, they want to be in their home. Plus the family has to work. You can't, you can't really, uh, you can't really go for six weeks without work and most families can't. So you, so that's a, those are all great examples of scale and, um, and what, what this could mean for this community. It's a, it's a strategic imperative that, Singer River Health System moves in this direction. I see it very clearly. And if we if we don't go in that direction in the very short period of time we have left, what do we have to look forward to? Well, if if for some reason they decide not to, to partner, then you're looking at consolidation. And the reality, what, what does consolidation mean? That means we have three hospitals, Gulfport, Ocean Springs, and Pascagoula. We can't do everything at each one of those hospitals. For instance, we may just deliver babies at Ocean Springs, and we may have to shut down labor and delivery at the other two. We may just do GI procedures at Gulfport. And again, don't don't take these. Uh, these right, you're just giving yeah, just hap- those, yeah, hypotheticals, yeah, right, examples. Um, perhaps all surgery would be done here in Pascagoula, so that you would shut down the operating rooms in in Ocean Springs and Gulfport, for instance. But that's what consolidation looks like. Instead of having an MRI at all three hospitals, we may just be able to have it at one. And um, sadly, that's what consolidation looks like. And it may include shutting down some services that are not profitable. You know, behavioral health is not profitable, but it's extremely important to the community. And consolidation means also shutting down services that are not profitable. And let me add, too, that the county doesn't, we don't get a dime of funding from the county. We are self-funded. There are no taxes that fund our operations. Our operations are all funded out of patient care. And in addition to that, we provide millions of dollars of free care to the uninsured. I think it's something like $30 million a year or something in that range, but um, that's another thing we do for the community. Well, Dr. Michael Fannin, we're out of, we're out of time, but it's been a pleasure to, to chat with you. Thank you for choosing our community and for being passionate about health, uh, you know, health, patient care and the healthcare system here in coastal Mississippi. We'll, uh, we'll, catch, we'll catch up with you again real soon. It's been a pleasure, my friend. Same here, thank you. You bet. Have uh, have a great day. Oh, actually, don't have a great day. You have a great day, Dr. Fannin. We'll see you after this break. <laughs> Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.